Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Phil Mackey. Clapping backs and shaking hands and kissing babies. You'd see some smiles. You do see some brightness in his eyes. Judd Zolgad. Here's the difference between Judd and me. I'm a pessimist because it's fun. He's a pessimist because he's serious. <laughs> he believes it. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Superstar Mike Morris is here as he is every Monday with Mackey and Judd. He's joining us now. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, sir? And uh, have you been able to digest everything that's happened over the last 72 hours with the NFL? I like, I, well, I like the way you tied that in. What's wrong with that microphone? Does that sound funny to you guys? Let's go. Uh, okay. A little bit. The wrong one pulled in your front of your face. Oh, the wrong one. No, he's on. You're good. I turned you on. You're good. This one. That's not his fault. We ran a weed here. There you go. I see now. Okay. Hey, listen. It's all technical. Everything's technical, isn't it? Unfortunately for me, yes. It's just a shame that it has to be that way. A simple question, too. How was Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was all, and then he tried to weave it in there with a beautiful little segue about filtering out and digesting the NFL, which I thought was very good. Can't have turnovers. We can't have you turnovers can't in this game, boys. You can't have turnovers, <laughs> and and trust me, we just had one. The ball's just, the program. Uh, that was fumbled right there. Um, <laughs> I had a great Thanksgiving, and I, I, you know, I missed you. Number one, I know. I, I missed you on the big there Friday. Uh, the Friday. Fill football fun, fun fest, fest. Yep. fill in fun fest, and I enjoyed that. And uh, and Chris Long, I always enjoy doing the show with you. But uh, the you. NFL couldn't be much better for the Vikings right now. Did but, you did you travel before we go? Did you travel did anywhere? Not. No, I stayed right at home. You did, Brian. I did, but that I left is, Wednesday and early Sunday. And it wasn't bad. I mean, that I, blows my mind because I heard. I know everybody says Wednesday is not as bad as Tuesday when you're getting out of town. It sounds about right. But I heard stories from... But I came in on Sunday, so I didn't well, have to deal with anything. I heard... But I would have thought on that... No, like, Detroit wasn't bad. Did you guys see what was going on at the airport last night? I did not. Okay, so there's the one road that goes yeah, in. sure. We've all flown out of MSP. There's the one road that goes in. There was so much traffic on that one road. People were getting out and, like, running with, with the their roller bags up that ramp to get their to flights. To get in, it was so jammed and backed up. Now, my guess is... Wow. It's both going out and coming in, and if that coming in lower level, sorry if you've never traveled at MSP Airport, if no, or if you're a Terminal 2 person, you have no idea what I'm talking about. If that bottom level backs up too bad, the same road feeds it, you can't get to the yeah, You can't get to either one of them. Yeah. So it's a... It's and a, I heard it was... Uh, TV stations were down there with cameras, and it was... What time of day was this? Night. Oh, at night, yeah. Get, getaway day. Yeah. This of is course. when it gets bad. So we, ne- we I traveled last year Thanksgiving and went weird days, so I didn't notice it, but I was curious to hear your takes. I had no issues whatsoever on either day. And you flew out of Detroit? Yep. So two big airports. Right, but you, early enough. You got lucky. So you, got, yeah, you got back in early here then. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, it was it was early enough here, so it wasn't, I don't think it was that big. And Wednesday was a breeze. I left at about one o'clock in the afternoon oh, out of here. That's when you do it. 
And See, the little was, midday thing is like a good because I good figured getaway. the rush would have been in the morning or maybe a post work, but midday would have probably been fine. See, we're planning our Christmas trip and we're looking at flights and cost and when to get in and get out. We're actually coming home Christmas day night from seeing my family in Indianapolis. That would be too bad. No, because we figured the way the week works, Christmas day is Monday. Monday. Mm-hmm. I figure everybody's traveling on Tuesday because probably have to get back to work on Wednesday. So I figured if we tried to travel Tuesday, we'd be cooked. So we're going to actually have an early dinner and catch the last train out of Indianapolis that night for exactly that reason. I don't want to deal. And we're, you know, I'm traveling with two kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, could be no layovers, no delays, no, none of no, that. You don't need any of that. Right, no right. crying. Sorry. No diapers. I didn't want to derail. No, no, I just want to hear, I'm a travel geek and I wanted to hear the experiences. I probably could have done that off the Sorry, air. no horror Sorry, stories everyone. for you. No, good for you. Hey, nothing good really you. good on that. I, my family, my wife's family is traveling in from Detroit on Christmas Day. They pick the same day for the same reason. Yeah, same thing. It works out better that way. Okay, go to Vikings. We, we talked we, about it. A bit. We went. Uh, we we've done. And I made a joke about it earlier. And it's just it's anytime you start talking NFL and you go right to the quarterbacks, it's always the low hanging fruit. But it just continues to be. It's an amazing story. story it's an amazing story here. Team. You can't you can't ignore it. It's an amazing. It's, and you've had a chance to interview Case Keenum. Uh, and so you know more about him maybe than m- most of us. I, I flew out to Washington, D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sitting on the plane right next to his wife, who's heading out to the game. And so I had a chance to speak with her for a while and get to know a little more about him and how he's handling the media and how how he's received by by the, by the his teammates. And, you know, it's it, it's his team. I mean, he's been given the reins to lead it this, this outfit. And, it, it very right, and right, rightfully so, right? How so strange he, is it's, that, It's, it's, it's going to be quite a story when this is all said and done. And I think that young man has played himself into a pretty good contract, regardless of what he does next year. So it's he's going to be in pretty good shape, I think. You've been in locker rooms, and what the quarterback means in locker rooms. Teddy Bridgewater, it, this was an impossible situation for Case Keenum. Comes in for Bradford, who's the guy that was supposed to lead them there, and is holding the seat for the guy that everybody already loves. I, I think what he's done on the field has been amazing, but what he's done in that locker room... I don't know how you could sit down with a guy and map it out and say, here's what you need to do. Here's how you're going to do it. The way he has captured He's played it smart. the hearts and minds of the locker room. He's played it smart. I, I think you're right. I, mean, I think that he's a pretty composed, mature kind of kid that's been around long enough to know that what, what is expected, not expected in the locker room and how to lead a little bit. He's got a little natural leadership uh, sort of ability. Out on the field, he's not rattled very easily. He's just, he isn't. I mean, he's... Made a couple of mistakes in, in from time to time, not many. But when he makes one, he runs over, grabs his iPad, <laughs> sits on the bench. You see him, whether it's after a touchdown, the second touchdown, the third touchdown pass. Or the second sits, interception. Or the second interception, he's on the bench looking at his iPad. Like, what did I do wrong or where, where can I do it better? So he's a thinker. He's a thinker. And, and there's a part of him that also knows that if he doesn't do well, it's he all might, for he, might, he might get a chance to go matters. to another team or another, uh, you know, they'll give him a roadmap and an apple and a choice of aisle or window seat. That never works, though. That but it never, never seems never. to work. And But it, it has this time, and it's because he's yeah. been given a legit chance to play and a, a, a meaningful amount of football as long as he does well, right? And he has made the best of that opportunity. And here he finds himself leading a pretty good football team, a 9-2 and two football team, uh, Right into the eye of the hurricane, known as the playoffs, and whether he can hold up to that next level, then we'll find that out, won't we? What do you think uh, the biggest impact Pat Shermer's had on, on oh, the man. club, but also Case Keenum? 
I can't I can't say enough good things about Pat Shermer right now. I mean, I kind of thought the world was going to fall apart from every angle uh, down there at Winter Park when Norb Turner stepped down. And it was falling apart and it in was. so many other ways at that point. There's so many things you can do. Um, and, w- and most of ours had been uh, exhausted at that point. And Pat Shermer stepped in and just, it took him a year and a, it took him a, an, another off season to get this thing where he wanted it. But you can clearly see why he's been a head coach somewhere else and that he knows offensive football and that he was maybe here as a second guy as an insurance policy to whatever was going on with Mike Zimmer and Norv Turner. I think there might have been something else to bring a guy like Pat Shermer in here and just call him a tight ends coach. And Tony I, I, I just don't think so. Sprano and and Sprano as well. coach as a line coach. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's another whole story yep. in itself. Yep. But whenever this thing pans out, uh, we're going to be able, able to look back on this and go, you know, it's going to be a hell of a story at the end of this thing, I think. I, it's going to be more than anyone ever thought with possibly the best quarterback of the three on the bench and not able to play anymore uh, to think that we've done this and we've pulled together and rallied the troops with a guy by the name of Case Keenum who goes out and dominates against his his own, uh, his his previous team of the, of the Los Angeles Rams and, and Goff and all that. He completely outshot him. Case Keenum over the over the first pick in the draft a and couple then he, years ago. And he follows that up by outplaying Matthew Stafford. Absolutely. On national television. He has on not, the road. He's gutsy. He is a gutsy kid and, and he'll take a hit. I mean, that throw that he hit in the corner to uh Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph yeah. was that's a great ball. Looking at nothing but a face mask coming straight at him. And he threw it, he stood there and threw it. Perfect shot right down the chimney. Well, uh, it was pretty fun. We'll throw your 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 ilk a bone here. Are we not giving enough credit to the offensive line? I mentioned oh, Sperano, well, that's the and they've reason. had to totally change the way they play because you're going to play one way with Sam Bradford back there. You're going to have to play Kyle Rudolph, tight end. You guys, I know they're honorary members of the offensive line. Made the point that, that Keenum came in and said, "Fellas, I run around a lot. Just hold your blocks." You don't want to hear that as an offensive lineman. <laughs> no, you want to know where he's at. <laughs> right. You want to know where he's at. Uh, and Keenum does a pretty good job of standing in there. Um, and when he takes off, he takes off with reckless abandon and <laughs> slides headfirst into everything. And Not necessarily. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, he doesn't get those legs out there. No, he doesn't. The, the offensive line is the whole key to this thing. I, I mean, I, yeah. I always felt that if we had it usually is. the offensive line uh, put together and something that was even decent or at least solid, that we'd be a completely different football team. Turns out we've got four or five or six guys that are legit players on any team that would probably buy for a, a starting job on on several of the of the teams that, I mean, maybe any of the teams. They're the way they're playing together though, and that's the key. That's where the the offensive line coach makes them cohesive and things come together well, and they play well together and they trust each other. That's coaching, and they're playing that way collectively as a, a, a group of five about as well as anybody. Well, I mean, it's not like they've been completely healthy. Remmers has been out several games, and who knows when he's going to be back? He's in concussion protocol. Yep. Um, but it's unbelievable that we're talking about this offensive line that yeah, nobody completely. is in a slot they were in this time last year. You've had the injury. You got a rookie at center. How is this one of the best two or three offensive lines in the NFL, it, if not the best? It is really an amazing thing to see a, a, a sort of a retreaded Riley Reef. Um, you can call whatever you want to call it at left at left guard. I mean, Easton's been there. Uh, we've had Isadora there. We've had uh, Searles has taken his shot at that. I mean, we've had the, the kids held up really well at center. Elfline's been that guy. You got old Berger over there. He never misses it down. 
season season in season out, probably a different position every time. Yep, swing man. And uh, and then you have Remmers, who was turning out to be very solid, but now Smith has filled in for him admirably. And none of those guys had ever stepped on the field together. That group group of five had never been together for one play when they started against the Saints. Yeah, none of them had played together for even one snap. That's exhibition season. That's everything. And it is amazing. And who's the great insurance policy always is a strong running back. Boom, you lose him. You lose that guy, and you have no idea. You just don't think there's going to be much of a season left. You've already lost Bradford, who lit the scoreboard up and, and lit the the stats up in every way possible. And the town up. Game. I think people were and like, the town. He, yeah. he won them over on yeah. opening night. Yeah. It was incredible. And he, he goes down with a mysterious, I can't play anymore, at least for the time being. And you can't count on that. You can't blame him for benching him now. They tried to get him back out there. It's, it's just not the same knee after one game. Last season, he was he held up a- fine, able to play. Now he can't, and you can't you can't coach around that. You got to have at least, and especially at the quarterback position, you can't have a guy that. Well, we don't know if he's going to play this week. Right. You can't. You can't even begin to talk like that. The quarterback has to be the one that you get out there every week. And we'll make, you know, make things work around him. And yet 11 weeks in, we've done it for 10 weeks. And we're still looking for reasons why it shouldn't be working. <laughs> right. That's what it feels like. Right. Right. Again, you're, the eye test is failing you here badly. And you have to keep saying, they keep winning. And they keep winning decisively they're, in most cases. They're winning well. They're not making mistakes. Not many turnovers. Yeah. Defense on the other side takes the ball away. Um, Thielen is, is a, a, a legit all-star. 25 yards, I think, the last time I checked behind Antonio Brown for the top receiver in terms of yardage. Off the charts. Was that before last night? Or say, that, was, that was before last night. Brown might have put a little distance. A little bit, but, but still. Okay, so he's second. Doesn't matter. He's got 1,000 <laughs> yards. Yeah. The, the, Adam Thielen is the Vikings' first 1,000-yard receiver since Sidney Rice. Best, let that marinate a little bit. Best yeah. receiver since Randy Moss for the Vikings? Be careful. I, I'm asking. Well, I'd say best yeah. since Sidney Rice. Sidney, Rice let's was, have that whole conversation. Yeah, but Rice had his had his year. He had his moment. Now let's say Thielen's having his year in his moment. Be careful before you start. Comparing well, but he him to did Randy it last Moss. year too. I, oh no, I get you. I'm not saying he's Randy I'll say, Moss. I'll say this. I'm saying he's somewhere between Moss and the Pack. Yes, there's no yeah, doubt. Yes, yes. 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 yeah. Moss will always be there with a close. Uh, depending on what team you're talking about, I mean, Chris Carter would, would have still been on that team too. I'm sure, but um, I'll say this much: Sidney Rice was Sidney Rice. Uh, the superstar because of Brett Favre. Of course. It's awfully hard to say that Adam Thielen is the superstar that he is because of Case Keenum. Uh, But the two work very well together. The timing uh, between those two and the trust between those two is really a very good one. And I think that he's, I think that Thielen is a better receiver by a long shot than, than Sidney Rice. There's a lot about him that I I like better than Sidney. His routes, I'm not so sure he isn't faster. I'm sure he was faster than than Sidney Rice, which is hard to say. But he is—he's a legit four-four. He ran past some defensive backs last week. Unbelievable. Yeah, I think I saw the next-gen stats had him on the touchdown. He had the 80-yard touchdown. I think he was running like 21 miles an hour. Wow. I don't know for a fact, but that—I think that's fast for a human being running. Really fast. <laughs> not to mention, I mean, they—they told—they—they they said the Vikings told me that. Probably the only guy that could outrun him a couple of years ago was Cordero Patterson, mm-hmm. who was blazingly blazing fast. I mean, Thielen is—that's another whole story. We got a lot of big stories going on here. 
Cook would have been Dalvin Cook would have been an amazing story as he well. Was, even before he went that out, I was going. I want to get your take on the weirdest moment from Thursday's game. We're going to look ahead to these next two road games: Atlanta this weekend, Carolina next weekend. As the Vikings try to shape themselves into what could be a uh, first round bye team and maybe a home all the way through, all the way through. Period. I was. The, the, reflex, the reflex is to say all the way through the Super Bowl. Well, but be as careful, we all but know, don't sleep on Philadelphia. Uh, that's what I mean. 10-1. Uh, superstar yeah. Mike Morris, Brian Murphy, Chris Long, we're all filling in. Well, we're filling in. You're not. You're always here, superstar. <laughs> on Mackie and Judd this morning on 1500 ESPN. Glad for the kickoff. Referee blows his whistle. Mackie and Judd now continue. And the game is on. On 1500 ESPN. Save the date, 1500 ESPN's 7th Annual Sports Fantasy Auction is happening Tuesday, December 12th. Listen all day from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. to purchase and bid on great experiences with all proceeds benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute, presented in part by Able Chiropractic and TCL. Details and packages all coming soon to 1500ESPN.com. Superstar Mike Morris in with us on Mackie and Judd. This is Brian Murphy and Chris Long in for Phil and Judd as they enjoy, I guess it's one more day of vacation off of the holiday weekend, or is it all week long? Do we even know that? No, they're back tomorrow. They're back tomorrow. 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 They would know that. He's in there. Uh, Mike, your other takeaways from Thursday, um, it got a little dicey there toward the end, but it, it never felt like the Vikings were losing control of the game, whereas other games against Detroit, certainly in recent memory, including last year, you could sense that they were losing control. I, I, I never really felt that on Friday or on Thursday. It actually felt pretty good, uh, but it was uh, a totally different kind of game at the end because I thought they almost let off the gas a little bit. You do. I, mean, I just feel like they almost came off the gas. Uh, and there was a mistake or two made by Detroit that was just unbelievable in the, in regards to the catch non catch that was reversed by the tight end. I forget his name. It wasn't Eb- Ebron. Uh, it was the other tight end, and they they brought yeah. it back and they didn't kick the extra point to keep the touchdown up. They sat there on that extra point forever. Typical Detroit Lion football. They don't kick it. Plenty of time to <laughs> kick it, and by that time. Um, you know, we've thrown a red flag out there and had it challenged, and we reversed the call, and and that that's a touchdown called back. That's a that's a that's a big deal. I don't when, even when think, you, but I don't even think. No, I don't know if Zimmer had to challenge it. I think it was just automatically reviewed if it was a scoring play, right? You're thinking they, of the other they one. They lined up for they, there was no contact. It wasn't contested, rather, and I think that it was ruled a touchdown, and it that's was, why yeah. they were lined up to to kick the the extra point. And I think Zimmer saw it once or twice, and he said, you know what, I. I'm going to challenge that right now. Well, he throws. So they went back again, and they looked at it again over something they had as a touchdown, and it was not. It was reversed. We were talking before the segment about this exact same thing, and, and you were in the stadium at Ford Field, yep. and I have been in the stadium at U.S. Bank Stadium plenty of times, and I, there was one, it was the Rams game, where the Rams punter was right on the end line. Yeah, the end very early in the game. Snap came out, he punted away, and... The first replay that they show, I'm in U.S. Bank Stadium. I went, ooh, that was close. That's a side During the play, line. I go, that's close. The first replay they show. On Fox. He, first one they showed in the stadium, yeah, he absolutely looked like he was out. And I'm tweeting, this is going to be a safety. Yep, Zimmer yep. throws the flag. And then I see 90 tweets, people saying, what game are you watching? Yeah. Well, the same one Mike Zimmer's watching. Then I look up and see the replays that you guys are seeing at home on Fox. Totally different From replays. behind, where he had Clear at least an inch to spare, yeah. 
that happens, and you were talking about the way you saw some of the things in Ford Field, it's a different feel when you're in the stadium, and you jump on Mike Zimmer, and sure, there's guys in his ear that may or may not be watching Fox. It's not always cut and dried, especially on the road. Well, he can make a lot of these decisions. He's making them emotionally, too. Yeah. He sees a replay, and he sees something, and he wants to grab that flag and fire it. I mean, That's he... A- you know, Zim Zim is very aggressive with his uh, with his challenges. I mean, he he tosses that red flag around like dip cups. I mean, it just <laughs> he just doesn't necessarily always wait for that definitive shot or the definitive call from up above, as you call it, air traffic control. Air traffic control to say, hey, hey, you know, you might want to not do this. Throw and it. you know, there was some legitimacy too. It was early in that game against the Rams, of course, but there, you're wondering. You know, how much is a safety worth right now compared to getting the ball at about the 30-yard line of L.A. anyway, which you probably were going to have yep. at that point. But, you know, Mike's, Mike's never going to be one to be caught napping on an emotional-type play or an emotional sequence, and that's generally what he does with that. One quick thing, though, I will mention about, you remember the blocked uh, field goal at the end where Darius Slay blocked the, you know, he was offsides. Way offsides, yeah. From where we were sitting in the press box, it was obvious yeah. because he was lined up right in front of us. We were near the goal line. I saw the I saw him be offsides at the snap. I saw the flag drop, and I knew everything was over. But nobody in that stadium thought that, and I don't know what the television audience thought. Did they show that there was a flag down while he was returning it? You or did not? not see it for the longest no. time. It was it was a late. And uh, I'm telling you, well, because the camera follows him. Yep. Camera down follows the field, him, and but I didn't know. know if the yellow graphic not had popped a, up. It was in doubt until he got to the end zone. I mean, there were th- there were several different reactions. You had the people in the stadium who didn't see the flag or the offsides right. were cheering the return. You had people up in the press box going, well, this is easily coming back. And then you had a television audience that was somewhere caught in between, it sounds television like. Television audience was was where I was. And and the, the angle was end zone looking right at, you know, at the goalpost behind Forbath. Uh, and, and and you could not see the outside rush. The guy that was Rhodes, whatever his name is, um, um, who was offside. He jumped offside. Darius Slay. Uh, yep. that's, that's what I meant. Yep. He was out of out of frame. And so you only saw the snap, the hold, the kick, and a and the a thump. big time thump block. And you, when you hear thud thud in football on special teams, that's a really bad sound if you're a center <laughs> from behind you. Yeah. When you hear thump thump, <laughs> that is a bad sound. When you hear that that football hit twice, that means you're going the other way real quick. Turn around and run. So in the, on the TV uh, camera, it came that football came almost right back into the camera. It was amazing, and you just think it's blocked. It is blocked, and they're, and pretty soon they show the angle then from the sideline of of him picking the ball up. Clean. And, uh, clean and housing it. And then the and flag I'm telling comes you, out. That stadium, the that stadium erupted. Nobody in that stadium saw the flag except the people in the press sure. box, I'm convinced. Sure. Because they didn't it, want to see it either. I thought we'd lost. For like three seconds as he's running that ball back, I'm thinking, we lost this game. And how, Somehow at, we lost this game. Look at how they lost it, too. It would have been yeah. awful. All those thoughts are spinning through your head. Let's talk, as we're talking kind of close plays and replays, I, I want your thought because I'm sure it'll be the, the taunting call. The on, taunting on call. Case, Keenum. Case Keenum's taunt. If you're going to taunt. But it's a little bit of a flip. And he wasn't intending to taunt. If you'd have told him you're going to get a flag for this, I think he probably would have done a little more to get his money's worth. You think? <laughs> what of all you people. Think? Of all people. It was right. a finger the, roll, the most, wasn't it? Right, right. Grounded, right. Uh, you know, uh, he's a flatliner anyway. God fearing, he's not going to do anything. A little bit, no, yeah. But but you know the thing was, he got hit. It was on a big play. He was frustrated when he rolled over on, onto his seat. He just kind of flipped the ball out and spiraled it over. Unfortunately for him, toward the guy that was also rolling on the ground because he was celebrating. 
the guy that sacked him, and he was, he was, he was frustrated. Answer, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they they give a camera here. I again with TV camera angles. They right. show Keenum over on the bench. Yes. And he turns around and he says, "It was on me. That was on me. It was on me." Right. And he was. You could tell he was absolutely shocked by it. He's like me. That ta- taunting on me. When, After he got over the bench. When, when, when Ansaw was the one kind of flopping around a bit, celebrating the sack. Not well. kind of. He was rolling. Yeah. Rolling and rolling. And I, I mean, now, in this league, this day and age, you can do a little celebrating. but uh, Which is fine. But why can't you call that taunting as well? I mean, you sack the quarterback. Just, now you, or offset him. Yeah. Ne- neither of these yeah. should be penalties is the overarching That's thing. That's true. We're you doing should, sack races and Thanksgiving dinners in the end zone now, which I am 100% on board with. How you would look at what Keenum did and say, nope, taunt. Come on, and what? Why? I mean, if it's only allowed for touchdowns, why do defensive players get to celebrate mm-hmm. the big, the big sack or whatever? Anyway, that was a, that was a big play in the game. It was a big play because it was not only was he sacked, but then they tacked on fifteen yards to that and had to punt it. So I mean, it was that was big at the time. Well, the Saints lost yesterday, so the Vikings catch a break there. They're still nine and two. They're the number two seed while they're tied with. Uh, no, they they are alone as the Clean. number two seed, right? Yeah, because yeah, uh, the Saints are now right nine and three, them. right? And then now they got to go to Atlanta and go to Carolina. Which of these games is tougher, and why do you think? Uh, they're both away, but 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 the one in Atlanta really is kind of the that's the one for me that, at least that I think the Carolina. I never know who that team is, right. no matter what. I don't. I never know who their best player is, Cam Newton. I don't know. It they're so hard to read, home or away, uh, but Atlanta. That defense, that coaching staff, uh, and the way they play defense, that one can give you some fits. Uh, and, and they're starting have, to hit all cylinders offensively again, finally. Matty Ryan, Julio Jones. Uh, is the running back healthy, though? I, th- I, th- I thought he was still out. Um, Sanu? No. Um, Who, someone Car- help me out. Carolinas? No, no, uh, no, no Atlanta. Atlanta. Regardless, you know what? They do have more offense working. In our defense, I don't have as much of a problem with that, but I do know when that defense is playing well, which they are, uh, that that can give you a fit if you have a quarterback in there like Case Keenum, who they will try and find something and, and expose him for something. And um, yeah, I, I, so Atlanta of those two, and, and I think Carolina is you split. always beatable. I, and we always seem to have their number. I don't know why. But well, they handled them pretty well down there last year. It was beat them up two. pretty good. It was a long time ago. Well, and Carolina's coming off a game. They're playing the Saints this week, and that's. Massive for them, obviously. So who knows how they come out of that one? Devontae Freeman, I think, is who you're talking about. I didn't know he was hurt. I would have. You're I, right. I didn't know he was hurt. It was Freeman. Yeah, I had no idea he was hurt. And uh, and so I don't know what what his. Uh, but that would make a big is, difference. But, but I, I can tell you right now, if that kid was healthy, that would be a whole different ball game right there too. Even for our defense, Matt Matty Ice is pretty decent. Julio Jones and they have they have a, a really good offensive line. Um, yeah, that that'll be that'd be that, Atlanta's going to be a tough game, well, really tough game for him. Julio's the best receiver in the NFL right now, right? Oh, no doubt, no question. I think he is. I mean, you could look at stats. Well, can, Antonio stats Brown are... is close in terms of artists. Maybe it's uh, it, it might be Antonio Brown yeah. with what he can do uh, with his feet and his hands. But Julio, just because, just because of the sheer they don't, size they don't and build numbers. Him. No, exactly. Yeah. He's a different specimen. He is something special. I, I mean, that 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 performance in the Super Bowl, some of those catches that he was he was putting on display. I mean, that was a clinic. It really was. Some of those catches in the Super Bowl, I swear, were just absolutely impossible. But he was undeniable. Brown's catch last night. That sideline, I don't know tap. how much you guys watched. Oh, I saw the, the toe drag. That was a good one. set up the game-winning field goal. He's good at that. He that, is really good at that those That ball looked drags. like it was about 10 yards out of bounds. And is the kind of play why replay was invented, because 
full speed. Well, nope. they called there's it a catch initially. Amazingly, full speed. I look at that. There's like, well, that's not a catch. There's no way that's a catch. He had to have either bobbled it or hit the, the sideline. He did. Well, that's why it. you have two officials working it on that yeah. side. Yeah. As far as hands go, though, as far as hands go, I don't know if there's anyone better than Thielen. Thielen, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think there's anyone better. Maybe he's. Now there's a catch radius we're talking about. Wow, that's a football vacuum. He's a vacuum, and that's to kind of bring it full circle. That's the, the whole Keenum thing. A lot of what's been working for him is if I get this ball near into Adam a, Thielen into it's a, a window. Yes, yeah. it's a wide window. It's a picture window with Thielen. I love the way Keenum though gets gets that ball out of there. He does at least get the football out of there. He doesn't hold oh, yeah. it, hold it, hold it, overanalyze, have a brain fart or two, and then vapor lock, and then not throw it and get sacked. There's a reason why that kid was the, was the all-time leading passer in college history, Division One anyway. By a lot. And by a bunch. <laughs> yeah. And I, for, for whatever it's worth, I, I, I get it. I see why now. Mike Morris, superstar, is in here with us. It's Brian Murphy, Chris Long in for Mackie and Judd. We got questions questions of significance significant Mm. importance. I'll get that out coming up right after this for the last half hour of Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We turn things over to Dave Harrigan's Mike Superstar Morris, Brian Murphy, Chris Long, filling in for Mackie and Judd, but Dave Harrigan, all you. All right, let's do this. Pittsburgh Steelers needed a, what, 53-yard field goal to squeeze by the Brett Hundley-led Packers. Yesterday at Heinz Field, and Pittsburgh is a team that for the last five years or so, I don't get. In my opinion, they're a uh, they're a product of the AFC being mostly terrible, aside from the very top end Patriots, and they've uh, built very good records, very good seasons on the back of that. This year, they've squeezed by the Packers, they've squeezed by the Browns, they barely beat the Colts, and they got walloped by a couple teams. Beat the Vikings. They did. Handily. They, they beat the Vikings handily. Absolutely. Case Keenum in his first start got ripped. So I guess I'll ask you guys the question. Do you agree with me that they're a bit of a fraud? What do you buy in Pittsburgh? How To what degree do you view them as a legit team when it comes to just being a really good football team? I think they're a very legitimate football team, and I think you're sleeping on Ben Roethlisberger probably a little bit. You, okay. must, not, you must not like Big Ben much, or you don't think much of Big Ben or I think Antonio he's Brown. very good but overrated. He's overrated. Well, I'll say this. They, they, are, they are the byproduct of their conference, and they are the byproduct of always being in the New England Patriots' shadow which has not helped them immensely, but they've always had a tough defense. They've always been tough to play at home. Um, you know, it used to be the Ravens were sort of their arch rivals, but they've fallen off. I mean, they've been a pretty consistent team over the last 10 years. I Are they overrated is what you're asking? I can't even remember do, what the question was. Do, to what degree do you buy them as a legit, very good football team, not just a product of the AFC to and the their nth division degree. being terrible? No, to the nth degree I buy in. I'm a big Steelers fan. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I really feel like... They're the maybe one of the best coach teams, Mike Tomlin, uh, of all the teams, of any team. I, I mean, I put him right up there in the top two or three coaches in the in the NFL right now. Wow, um, and top I, two or three, absolutely. He is a very very good football coach. Um, he's got a, his own style. He's got his own flair. Never had a losing record, and he's that's true. That's true. Uh, been to a couple Super Bowls, won one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've they have the Rooneys have always had their own. Uh, way of doing things with handling personnel. They they want Pittsburgh Steeler type players, 
They want their kind of guy. Uh, they had to have a little sit-down, little chat with Ben Roethlisberger once uh, when he decided he was going to go off off the rails a little bit and not be a Rooney guy. Uh, but they have a way of settling things down real quick. Um, and if they didn't, I'll tell you what Tomlin would have. Uh, but I think it was under Bill Cowher that he got, got himself into a little trouble. But since then, they always do well in the draft. They always know how to how to find the players they need for the next season coming up. I mean, their offensive line, always big and physical. D-line, D always big, physical. They always find that, that one linebacker uh, that leads the way until another one comes. I mean, it's just seem, it's seamless. I mean, Harrison and now this Frazier, are, um, he's unbelievable to watch. They're all machines. You want to talk about continuity. Three head coaches since 1969. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cowher, Mike Tomlin. Go figure. Six Super Bowl championships. I think, and, and you look at, they haven't a losing season since 2003. But the, the players they get, you mentioned it with the organization, they don't miss. I mean, Palomalo, Harrison, Brown, Roethlisberger, Heinz Ward, Santonio Holmes. These are all guys that bell. were at the top, Bell, that were at the very top two or three at their position the whole time they were at the Steelers. Now, I get the skill position guys come and go a little more, but they don't miss. And yeah, you add that to Tomlin. I have a great Mike Tomlin story. Uh, Super Bowl media day must have been 2008, the one they won. Was that in Tampa? Anyway. I'm waiting forever to get this question in because you've done Super Bowl media there, I'm sure. It's a, it's nuts. It's a circus. It's a fiasco. So I'm waiting to get this question into Tomlin. He kind of sees me right at the horn. I say, Mike, do you almost like this day because it lets you sort of let your guard down and it's a little goofy and you get a chance to sort of not be serious in, in a very serious week. And he side-eyes me and goes, I'm always serious. And he gets up and walks off the podium. <laughs> like, all right. There's your bite. I get it. He's worth it. <laughs> and he's good for those. I get it. He's really good for those. And in front of the players, he's got those, too. Yeah. I mean, he's just little quippy things. Like, you know, they'll be walking around through cows, up and down through the lines. Many of the coaches do every day. Well, cows. Practice. I thought you said cows. Calisthenics. <laughs> got it. Well, cows, too. Like, There's some cows odd, out there, too. That's but an I, odd technique. I just, uh, gotcha. I, they've had him on uh, th- through practice and whatnot. And he, um, he'll he say, you know what? I I think every one of you are capable. That's why you're here. But who's who's going to show me you're willing today? You're all capable. Who's willing? And he's he's just got such a reverse psychology sort of way about him. He rolled some buses up. Every now and then he takes them to a movie in training camp. So he pulls the buses up. They they load up from the cafeteria and they take off. They go see a movie together. Just all about the team unity thing. And they'll skip that day of practice during two days and come back and just sort of the new morale and everything else. He rolls the buses up again and the players are like all happy, wound up, right? Practice is called off. It's a hot day, 95 degrees. You know, I just wondered what you would what you would do with practice uh, if those buses rolled away now. And he rolled the buses out, and they had to practice full <laughs> contact. I'm going to see what you're going to do when crap hits the fan, and your little your little day got got ruined. And he put them to the test it during works. two days. And it works. They still had to make cuts, and what what kids are going to gripe, and who's going to sound off, and who's going to want to say, "Hey, look, don't we want to play football anyway?" You know, he wants to see who the leaders are. How about rolling the buses out of there? Three charter buses pull up. They Yay, think they're going to the happy, air conditioned theater. Happy, happy. Nope. Here we go. Let's get our pa- popcorn cracker jacks. Roll the buses out, right? You talk about a mind game. And sometimes that can backfire in the NFL. It's, it's amazing that it that it hasn't on him. Yeah, no zero losing seasons. Uh, this morning, early, Golick and Wingle, the new morning show, they're talking about the Eagles and comparing them to the other division leaders and saying, look, 
aside from maybe O-line, you wouldn't take a position group on this team above others. Quarterback, you'd probably take Breeze with the Saints. Running backs, maybe you take Gurley with the Rams or the two-headed monster New Orleans. Uh, receivers, you'd probably take the Vikings being the top out of those four division-leading teams in the NFC. So I'll ask that question. Vikings compared to the other four, uh, other three division leaders in the NFC, your Saints, your Rams, and your Eagles. Position groups, who do you take number one as a Vikings group over the other teams? I'd say the offensive line, just because we've talked about, well, you know, Philadelphia's had obviously got a great offensive line, but I would take I would take that offensive line, the way they're rolling right now, the way they're, they're that cohesive right now. I'd take the defensive line, too. Yeah, that's true. I mean, true. all the way across and with depth. You know, I mean, Brian Robinson's been banged up, but he's a backup effective. It's a heck of a backup. Linval is realistically, impact-wise, one of the best players in the National Football League right now. I was going to say MVP-like, but a defensive lineman is never going to win MVP. Alan Page. Except Alan Page. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good won point. The, won, the, won the whole thing. MVP, not just defensive. But I think, won the whole thing. I mean, Linval Joseph, what he's done this year has been unbelievable. And the fact that they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since two years? Forever. Um, so there's two units, <laughs> at least. Yeah, they're not far away from being a, a defensive secondary, kind of like that with Harrison yep. Smith, uh, Rhodes, you know, Trey Waynes. Mm, he needs to bring his he's slack up a little along, bit, but he's come along. And, and then I, I, I don't know what anyone else thinks about this guy, but Zendaya is kind of one of my favorites. I mean, when he's healthy and, and he's lighting people up, he's a, play, a little playmaker. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, that's the one of the, of the four that would probably be the, the one that still needs to up his game a little bit more, but he's come a long way since he's been here. But you look at quarterback unit, what they've done, all three of them, running back unit, okay, Murray and McKinnon were supposed to be backups, what they've done. Who are we missing? Linebackers? Well, I don't think we mentioned re- receivers. Linebackers, receivers yes. People good. want to have the conversation about Diggs and Thielen being the best one-two punch in the NFL. A lot of people are having that conversation. I think you could. That's a that's a, a so, good conversation and a fair conversation. So it's linebackers, the quote unquote weak spot, and they're still very good yeah, at linebackers. Say they're it looks like all. a juggernaut. That's right my now. point. That's my point. I'll tell you what, Kendricks is one of the top tacklers in, in the league right now. Maybe, now he's ahead of Luke Keechley or whatever his name is. Maybe they're special it. teams. I think positionally they're doing okay, but that, that has been know, a bit bumpy. A little bit bumpy with the kicking game. You know what the yeah the the return game is good. Uh, the covered team is good. Uh, the punter is, I think, very good. The kicker, not the kicking game, but the kicker is really holding things up. And he's a good kicker, but he's he's got something in his head. He What he needs to do is he needs to make one or two really big kicks under pressure right now during the regular yeah, season. Yeah, and yeah. get himself ready for the Settle for himself playoffs. down in the I locker mean, room. Make some really big kicks right now and have that out of the way and back onto his confidence and back onto his winning ways. One more segment to go. He's superstar Mike Morris, Brian Murphy, Chris Long, Dave Harrigan. We are holding down the fort while Mackie and Judd enjoy the extended holiday. We will put Monday's Mackie and Judd show to bed after this on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. Rounding third, heading for home. Last segment here on Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Brian Murphy, Mike Superstar Morris, and I'm Chris Long. Tangled in my headphone. There we go. You all right there? It's been a long four hours, huh? Yes. Dave Harrigan keeping us in line all day. Thank you guys all for listening all day. Mackie and Judd will be back with the regularly scheduled program tomorrow. Um, we've done a lot of Vikings talk. We've done a little NFL talk, but I, I think it's a good question here. Let's let's play contenders or pretenders in the NFC because the AFC, you can't do it yet. They're all pretenders other than <laughs> New England and Pittsburgh, it's, right? Right. Man, and, I thought the Chiefs were looking so good, and they are just falling apart at the seams. Yeah. Falling apart. How bad the AFC is that 
someone found it, and I don't know who it is, and they should be rewarded financially. Whoever it was at Elias that figured out going into last week that 0-10 Cleveland still had a mathematical chance. There was 72, no, yeah, 71 things that had to happen. Dave, you know. I thought it was 46 it or was 47. A yeah, still, a ton. But at 0-10, still looking at a chance. If this and this and it needed three ties and this, that, could still get in. That tells you how screwy the AFC is. But they are out now. First, they have officially yes. been eliminated. There's only three teams out. <laughs> I think there's only three teams in all of football right now that are mathematically out. But yeah. So the AFC is weird. The NFC, it's a tighter group, but I think the next, and we've talked about the Vikings going to Atlanta, going to Carolina, that will sort things out with those three. Yep. Carolina and the Saints are going to play each other. They're playing this week. So the Saints and Vikings, we're fairly confident, are going to be the one-two. Let's make that assumption for the Well, let's Philly, not make that Philadelphia. Assumption. What did I say? Saints. Sorry, Eagles. Yes. You should have. Eagles are, should have are, taken a bet. Okay, uh, Eagles. They're so, real. The real deal. So move back. Who emerges out of Saints, Panthers, Falcons, Falcons, Falcons out of those three? I, I, I definitely think so. I, that was the team that uh, that came on really super strong last year and ended up in the Super Bowl and played a really good half. <laughs> I played a really bad half of a Super Bowl. A really good three quarters. They get, they get credit for both. Yeah. yeah, actually, well, they were hanging on. Yeah, it was still after three quarters, but man, alive, you could you could see the wheels just came off completely. But you know, it's, Philly's the real deal, and uh, then I think it's probably Atlanta, and I, the Saints are always going to be there with Drew Brees. That's, oh, they're always going to be right there. Yeah, I default to quarterback, fair or unfair, and I think that I trust Drew Brees more than I trust either of the other two right now. Well, and certainly defense. maybe more than uh, than Cam Newton, but I don't know if I trust him more than Matt Ryan. Only in the sense that Ryan's got firepower and and Bruce has got the moxie. Breeze has got the experience and the moxie. The question is which defense is going to hold up better. And I think you mentioned it, superstar. I think the Falcons have a tighter defense than Definitely. New Orleans, even though New Orleans is much improved. I agree. They they've come a long way since we played them. Um, but I think that the, the Atlanta, when they are hitting on all cylinders, and most teams good defenses will have figured things out about what they're doing well, not doing well, figuring it out and fixing it in practice by this time of year, and then gelling before the playoffs. And I think that's what Atlanta's going to, with Quinn, I think they're going to definitely have that that going in their favor. But I asked Kevin Seifert this three hours ago, how dare we write off Seattle? I understand what they've lost in Sherman and Chancellor, but I'm not going to bet one red cent against Russell Wilson. He's a good player. He's a great player. But I think what they really, really brought to the table was, was that outstanding defense and outstanding secondary, and it's just not there That's anymore. Just it's just same, blown up. Yeah. It's the Legion of, of Boom got blown up. So, yeah, I, they became a very ordinary defense, I think, with the loss of those two players. I, I really um, – Russell Wilson is, is part of a big part of the equation, uh, and he's a fantastic player, but I just don't see enough offense there either. I mean, he's. You just can't lean on your quarterback only. I don't to know get that done. We, we focus so much on the the Atlanta's and the. I don't know Seattle's schedule. I have to think they've got an easier road in. I don't have it in front of me. We're, we're two minutes from the end of the show here. I probably should have prepped that, but I, I think they've got they've got to have the easiest road in because Atlanta and New Orleans and Carolina are playing each other. Well, and maybe, but I, you know, we talk about how the Vikings are into the belly of the beast right now against Atlanta and Carolina, but then coming out of that, they've got Cincinnati at home. They go to Lambeau, which isn't going to mean what it normally means, and then they uh, close the season at home against Chicago. So if you if you know if you spitball here and you say let's say they split these next two, they come out ten and ten and three out of that, they're going to finish. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get at least two more wins out of the final three, right? At least bank on the two home wins, 
maybe three with Green Bay, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe something screwy happens. You're looking at about 12 and four at, at a worst case scenario. This this football team that we have right now has a good enough defense assembled right now that if we stay healthy, if we stay healthy, uh, you can't count us out of any games. Any of the, any of the games that we have left to play with that kind of defense, we have a good chance. We have a really good chance in any of those games. Yeah, I like my chances in three of them for sure, uh, but you don't see that kind of defense very often. And even though we thought we had it last year, it was it still was not quite like this one. So. I'm I'm a big believer in, in you know steady offense and big time defense will get you a long long ways in the, and and then advancing through the playoffs. But Mike Zimmer knows defense; he's got his players in place. I yeah, I, you can talk. Why can't we talk about the Vikings being in the Super Bowl with a defense like that? Well, oh, now you've Mike, done it, Mike Trout. Now you've done it. Star, thank you, Brian Murphy. Great fun, Chris. Last, we've been trying to put this together for a long time. Glad it worked out. Dave yep. Harrigan, thank you again. Chris Long, signing off. Mackie and Judd back tomorrow here on 1500 ESPN. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.